Hey there, film fans. I'm Jeff. I'm Dave. And I'm John. And welcome back to The Love of Cinema, a pod in which we'll challenge one another to discuss movies both new and old with a strictly positive critical eye. That's right. And to avoid any lazy negativity, we are making this a drinking game. Drinking game. That's right. (laughs) Any negative criticism about a film is absolutely okay, but you will be called out for it and you will have to take a drink. A drink. I don't know why I inflected up like that. Anyway, it's been two weeks since we did the intro. That's right. I'll put some some claps in in post. Thanks, Dave. (laughs) Dave, take it away. So pour yourselves a glass, join us and give us up the films we love and perhaps the films that need some love. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this is a, this is a pretty, I, I don't know, this is a pretty fun week for us, I suppose. So all of you film fans out there, we took last week off. This is 4th of July weekend. This is now Sunday, July 5th when we are recording this. Um, so we are going to talk about films from the year 2011. That is the year of Dave's random year generator. It came up with 2011. We chose three films from them, two films that were pretty well received, and then one film that might need some love. And our Positive Eye Criticism podcast will be put to the test with our redemption of the week for this and week. Possibly, possibly our livers as well. <laughs> possibly our livers, that is right. But before we get started, let's kick it over to John for some shout outs. All right, as always, we got our beer sponsor, Carlos Barroso. I miss drinking them. Give him a follow on Instagram at uh, CBarroso Bar 2019. That's C B A R R O Z O B A R 2019. Hope he's doing well. Shout out to Carlos. Send me some beer. And uh, the music you hear on this podcast, this episode, every single time is provided by the artist Dasein. That's Dasein, D-A-S-E-I-N. You can find him on soundcloud.com forward slash Dasein dash artist. All right, you guys. All right. So we are going to talk about three films from the year 2011. The good, mm-hmm. the bad, and that's pretty much it. We've got Bridesmaids coming up first, and we've got Cabin of the Woods. Wow. The Cabin in the Woods coming up second. The cab- yeah, Cabin then- in the Woods is a whole different thing, apparently. Ugh. I found out when I searched on IMDb. <laughs> and then our redemption film is going to be Green Lantern. That is the film that brought Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively together. And that's yes. about it. Actually, that is the best thing that it will be remembered for. <laughs> um, yes, before... <laughs> Fuck. Okay. <laughs> And we're off. <laughs> Reminder to all your friends, when you hear that buzzer, that means that we are drinking, and we would love it if you at home drank too. I got a note from my friend Chris last week who asked if I did cocaine before the last episode. The answer to that question is no. <laughs> I did not I did not partake in any uppers. That is just me and my, my yeah, stasis. Wow. Beer didn't help. So I'm, uh, I'm trying to slow it down a little bit, but no promises. Again, apologies to my brother who usually listens to podcasts on 1.5x. Yeah, this right. week, I don't know if it's going to be you. Yeah, we'll see. All right, so we've, we've <laughs> taken a week off. So we are going to go around the horn here for a second. And we're going to do a quick round of what you've been watching. Who wants to go first? John, you want to start? John, what you been watching? Uh, last week, uh, I posted on the site about that conversation with Spike Lee on Do the Right Thing. So that inspired me. I, I watched that at some point last week. Can't remember. I hadn't seen that in like four or five years. Always a good rewatch. Um you know, we'll use that word good relative to the times we're living in right now. It may be sick to my stomach, but also made me laugh, turn the knife really well at the end. I mean, 
Jesus Christ. You just can't, it's hard to believe that movie was made in, made in 1989 and is literally dealing with like the exact same thing we're talking about right now. So that was crazy. Very well made though. Anyone who has not seen that, I still think it might be my favorite Spike Lee movie. I yeah, love me too. a lot of his stuff. I did watch and totally finish. I watched more. I watched it a little bit more than once. I didn't get all the way through the second time, but I did see Defy Bloods. Really cool. Mm. Very interesting choice with form. I don't want to get too much into it, but I thought the structure of it and the editing was was interesting. It was it interesting. was looser than than I feel like a lot of his movies are. I didn't feel that way about Black Klansman, and certainly not not most of his movies. Um, so I thought that was cool. It was kind of see him fun to see him go off like that. I can't remember last time we talked. I told you guys I'm reading the Hannibal Lecter series, so I have seen ah, Red, Red read and those. seen The Red Dragon and Silence of the Lambs, which is, you know, fucking wonderful. Yeah, never I'm heard still of it. pumping through the next generation, Star Trek. So loving those, oh. and I watched Woo. these three movies. So catching up, feeling good, reading a lot. How about you guys? Dave? Uh, I actually checked out Ad Astra, mm. the right. Brad Pitt sci-fi film. Is that your it first is... watch? Yeah. First time I've seen it. I feel like this um, came up in our pod, but I drank a lot, so it's hard for me to remember know, exactly. I don't, but. I don't know, but it's. I feel like uh, John, you've seen this, right? I, I yeah, I it's, saw it last year. And it really, really takes its time to get there, and you just don't mind. Like the the oh, performances good. are solid. It's yeah, it's 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 one like because normally I'm I'm the one to argue for pacing, but in this case it was the opposite, and I didn't. I really dug it. It's different sci-fi. I put it up there with. Um, Ah, oh, what's the Natalie Portman? Lucy uh, this guy? No, the uh, the woman that go in the bubble. The bubbles. Oh, oh, yeah, annihilation, annihilation. Yeah, we saw this again. Oh, annihilation. That's one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd put I put it right up there with that for pacing cool. and stuff like that. It's 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 it's, it's kind of worth a watch. It's it's. I bet that was don't... cool watching right after you watched Apocalypse Now because it's basically yeah the same. Heart it's the darkness, Heart of Darkness yeah. story. Yeah, it was it was kind of kind of strange to watch the two on yeah. the like one on the back of the other and to i don't know whether it was the content of one didn't resonate with me and the fact that the other one was sci-fi and i'm big on sci-fi resonated but i i don't know but yeah for some reason ad astra really did resonate what do you think it's of the ending watch. without spoiling anything for the audience did you enjoy the ending that's a lot of people have issues with that that movie's ending they kind of switch the heart of darkness the way the tale normally I mean, winds down could it could it have ended any other way I think it could have. I still really enjoyed it. I still really enjoyed it. What do you think of uh, um, Max Richter's music? It's fucking awesome in that movie, right? Don't worry, guys. I, I have a bunch know. of phone. I have a bunch of phone calls to make anyway. So cool. Yeah, yeah. Just talk amongst yourselves, Jeff. Uh, yeah, Jeff. What have you been watching? <laughs> no, 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 Dave. Answer the question. Answer the question. No, that was that was it. That was it. Um, no, I. I mean, the the music was definitely like a substantial portion of it. I, I feel like I was more into the the performances like Brad Pitt really underplayed it and Tommy mm-hmm. Lee Jones was incredibly grounded when you finally yeah. got to him. Like that yeah. man never wastes a minute on screen. Yeah. Yeah. Really, really powerful. And mm. since you felt, I'm just curious with the apocalypse now thing, since you had some criticism for Brando, this is, it's so similar the way it builds up and then Tommy's just, he's just there and he just I, has, you I know, know, like 10 yeah. minutes. <laughs> Did yeah, it work for you? I mean, no. Well, it did in this case, mainly because like Tommy Lee Jones had more action. He wasn't just sitting there in shadow. Mm. I think like it was, <laughs> it was, you know, Tommy Lee Jones didn't turn up to set eighty pounds overweight. <laughs> mm. All right, 
fine. All right, I'll take it from there. Thanks. Yeah, I love that movie. Uh, After my dickish interruption. Okay, great. So I've been on vacation, which is why we didn't record last week. Um, And it was a family home on Cape Cod. So we're talking movies were on all the time. So we did rewatch Jaws. We got National Treasure. Uh, My Fourth of July Ah, tradition is... My 4th of July tradition is I watch the second episode of John Adams miniseries, which is Independence. I highly recommend that. Um, we watched uh, Matilda was on. We saw all of Pen 15. <laughs> uh, what else did I see? I, I've seen I've seen a bu- I've seen a lot in the past week or two, um, including the three movies that we have to talk about today. But yes. one thing that I, I so when I showed up. The family had been there already, and they said they actually rented King of Staten Island. So for those of you who are friends of the pod, um, a couple weeks ago, I, I said it was a bummer because they listed King of Staten Island, which is the new Pete Davidson, Judd Apatow movie, at $20 to rent online, which is more than the price of one standard movie ticket for most theaters in the country. And I thought that was sad because it needs to make its money back, but then you're going to lose that time where everybody watches it together. Cause a lot of people are going to say, I don't want to watch this for $20 and they're going to wait until the price goes down. Uh, but I showed up and I, they basically said, Hey, you have 20, you have 25 hours to, to watch this. Cause the 48 hour rental is, is clock is ticking. <laughs> so I literally <laughs> like, I was like, okay, um, I'm going to watch this right now. <laughs> so I went and I watched it. And um, here's what I'll say. I say it was a really, really fine movie. I thought it was a really good movie. Um, the one drawback from people that I've talked to about whether or not they want to see it is Pete Davidson. And they're like, oh, he's just going to be playing himself. And I, I usually poo-poo that notion in general if somebody says they're just quote-unquote playing themselves. Because ultimately they have to, when, you know, when the director says action, they got to show up, right? So I, I don't care if mm. if he seems, he sounds and looks a lot like himself and he's basically playing a version of himself because it's, it's loosely based on his life. Growing up in Staten Island without his father, who was a firefighter, his father in real life died during 9-11 in the movie they fictionalize it and and have him die in a different fire but very very similar to what's going on and i'll just say it's two hours it's over two hours so i was like a two-hour comedy judd apatow when are you ever going to learn train wreck was way too long it was so so good and if you just chop it down it would be like a nine um this movie is really 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 good it's paced really really well there are no scenes where you huh. watch the scene and you go you know what I forgot. This is just, it's just trying to get to the end. They, they, they realize they're not funny anymore. And so they're throwing plot at us and I'm bored. I just want it to be funny. There's no scene like that in the movie. It really paces really well. And I think the key ingredient is Bill Burr is really, really fine as, um, cool. as his mom, who's Marissa Tomei. So Pete Davidson's mom's new boyfriend, Bill Burr is really fucking funny in this movie and really, really, really good. But Steve Buscemi is sort of a wild card. You know he's in the movie and he has a scene early on, but it's not until about an hour and a half in that he has a couple really, really touching scenes, uh, including, and I don't want to spoil too much of the emotional journey, but he basically thanks Pete Davidson for his sacrifice because his father had passed away. Um, So he's like, thank you, Pete, for your, thank you for your sacrifice. You know, it, that you deserve a lot. Uh, you deserve a good life. You know, you, you, you shouldn't have had to have that sacrifice. And Pete Davidson can't process because he's Pete Davidson that he sacrificed. He doesn't realize that he's part of the, the, the process with firefighters and, you know, officers of the law who lose their life in the line of duty, that they are also sacrificing their loved ones, you know, just without the option to do so. Anyway, it's a really, really touching moment in the movie. So I highly recommend it. Yes, I know $20 is a lot, but at some point down the line, it'll come up and see it. I think it's really, really, really good good flick i was really happy i saw it that's my review that's what i've been watching and um cool that's it okay cool so we are going to talk everybody about bridesmaids first this is a 
comedy that got two Academy Award nominations. Melissa McCarthy, who had already been on TV shows and everything, went straight to A-list with her Academy Award nominated performance in this film. Kristen Wiig co-wrote the film with her, her really, really, really good friend, Annie Momolo, who you may know as the girl in the plane who had the dream about her. <laughs> and the plane was going down. Um, guys, where do you start? Where, where do you even start? Paul Feig directed. Who wants to go? Dave, John? Okay, fuck you guys. I'll go. So yeah, I remember <laughs> the first time that I saw this movie in the theaters. My friend Paul Miller, who was a movie friend of mine. We used to live near each other in Harlem. He, he said he really wanted to see this movie. I really wanted to see this opening night. And back to my King of Staten Island rant. I really wanted the cultural moment. When I saw Bridesmaids, I saw it on, I want to say Saturday of opening weekend at 34th Street, Herald Square is the AMC. Not Herald Square, whatever. And it was packed. People were laughing in the theater. People were clapping. And it was truly a, a memorable theatrical experience. Like, I remember the plane sequence, the airplane sequence in Bride. I, I don't know. I'm not going to give you the plot because everybody knows Bridesmaids who's listening to this. It's a, it's a known film. It is, it is, it was so, so, so funny. Um, Melissa McCarthy, I had no idea who she was. And I, I, I could have well, like stayed in the theater and watched her spin off as soon as this movie ended. I was so, <laughs> I was so in. Um, I was so curious about the casting of, um, shit, 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 shit. What's the, what's the, the Irish cop, the guy who had a, he's, he's had a pretty good career. Do you know what I'm talking about? Liam Neeson? No. no. Uh, <laughs> God damn it, Dave. <laughs> What the fuck's his name? Why can't I remember it? Damn it. Somebody. Anyway, um, Maya Rudolph is one of my favorite SNL performers of all time. And she fools you in this because sometimes she thinks she's just giving you this really, really like romanticized. Yes. Yeah. Chris O'Dowd. Maya Rudolph is like a really, really nice, tender performance, but just has just it's just in her back pocket to be funny. Like it's just in her nature. And so she's really fucking funny the whole time. So. Having said, like, truly a fantastic comedy. It is rewatchable. It is great. In rewatching this, I, I, I liked it. I liked it a little bit less than I liked it when I saw it in the theaters. And then the first time I rewatched it, which I'm guessing was not too long after that, let's say 2011, 2012, I would have given it a nine then. Right now, I'm probably somewhere between a seven and an eight. The John Hamm dickishness things didn't really age really well for me. Um, some of the plotty stuff that happens in these comedies like Wedding Crashers and this where all of a sudden it gets really serious and they try to move it along because they really want to they really want to coddle the leads who are going through their depressive moments and they really want to be tender and it's like it just doesn't pace well with the rest of the movie it's not that I don't want the character to go on that journey but it's it just it's, it really feels like you are kind of pulling off to the side of the road in the movie and it just didn't fly through that moment for me or that those couple of scenes you know about right usually about two-thirds of the way through these kinds of movies so i i will say it lost a little bit of the fun for me but i it's still you know one of those great rewatchable comedies of the past 10 20 years do you guys agree to, with that or um or did it lose some of its flavor for you as well i always feel like that with what you were saying when you were talking about king of Staten island i always feel that way about judd apatow movies um I don't dislike them at all. I like this movie a lot. I had a fine rewatch. I, I enjoyed is, myself. Right. And this is not, just to be clear to everybody at home, this is not a Judd Apatow movie. This is a Paul Feig movie. He Paid produced Feig. it though, right? I thought Judd um, Apatow produced this. I think oh. it's still the highest earning, technically it's still the highest earning Judd Apatow movie, right? 
What's that? Mean, just so I don't feel like yeah, an no, asshole, he, he, I, yeah, I he, he was he was a he was a producer. I just wanted to be clear that he did direct the film. But yes, he did. Produce he didn't the direct film. it, yeah. But I still think he had. I don't know. So I know it's not his. I know it's Paul Feig's. But um, that thing, that symptom of so many modern comedies that you're talking about, it does kind of make rewatches more difficult. I think just because a movie like this, like a cult movie, we all remember the funny parts and we quote it and. You know, you hear people refer to it and some images are just some scenes and some images are just imprinted in your mind, like the plane and maybe the. I've, I've many a time, many a times I've sent the it's happening meme to people. Yeah, it's happening. Mm-hmm. We all remember that <laughs> um, when she goes crazy and when she finally loses it at the engagement party. Yeah, that's thing, funny. You know, there's punching some, the heart thing. <laughs> yeah. So outside of those things, when you're rewatching some, like a comedy, like, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to generalize and say everybody does this, but you, I tend to just watch performances because you already know the story and the story is very simple. So you go into it already knowing exactly what to expect. So you kind of get on board. So you're really just hoping to find some good breadcrumbs and moments that maybe you didn't laugh at. So obviously the first time I really like Kristen Wiig's mother. I don't know. I like her tone. Like oh, she yeah. goes to AA, and she's not an alcoholic. <laughs> I thought the way they, some of the more it's, subtle things, made me laugh. Um, and, and then the standouts, are, of course, Melissa McCarthy. I'm just so grateful that this movie brought her to us. I think overall, though, the I made a comment about this a couple months ago to a friend. We were talking about Kristen Wiig. I think above all, this movie just made me wish i don't i just wish she did more stuff like this i know that's not in her control i'm not i'm not holding her accountable to that i don't know if anyone is to blame but where'd she go you guys <laughs> like i thought this Who was such about? a unique leading lady Kristen wig a unique leading oh, yeah. lady comedy performance oh, wait, she's, like, she's coming a wonder woman is the wonder sure, woman but that's, is a, that's what she's mostly be been doing which i appreciate i like her supporting stuff she's always good but when we saw her in this i remember thinking like dude there's a Barbara Streisand, a Madeline Kahn. There's a thing she could do that has been done really well before, but she's so unique. And I keep kind of waiting for her to come back to this. I know clearly she wrote this, so like she was in the driver's seat. But I don't know. I haven't. Uh, I miss her. I miss her in in roles like this. Uh, yeah, also, I mean, maybe she, kind of yearn for that. Well, she was in. She was in Ghostbusters. She was on the team, and she was in Downsizing, which I think a lot of people thought was going to be a much bigger movie than it was. Um, but you're right on top of that, it's like a lot of TV series and a lot of supporting roles, some voice actor work. Um, but yeah, there, there's more, I hope, I hope there's more. What'd you think of, I'm glad you made the comment about the John Hamm stuff. Cause of course we just, we're not trying to be like the most PC show on earth, but you can't help but, but notice things when you're watching stuff nowadays. Um, totally white cast. That was one thing. Um, my Rudolph John is Hamm not. stuff. My Rudolph is not. My Rudolph is not. She's right. She's married. I take that back. Um, the... Chris O'Dowd scenes making light of the things that cops do. I don't know. I just couldn't help it. I don't think they would have written a police officer nowadays into that role. I, I, I think they could have, but they, there would have been more to do. He was the only cop around, you know what I mean? Like they, you know, he's the only cop in town. I mean, one of, one of my good notes is like, you are no longer my number three is the douche exit line of the decade. Like they get you're points no for that. Like he, he, Terrible. yeah, you're no longer, as he's driving off, he shouts, yeah. you know, you're no longer my number three. It's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a douche. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he, they and, overdouched him. They didn't need to overduce John Hamm. You know what I mean? They could have let him act and they just let him, he, they overduced him a little bit. I don't know. I don't know if this movie was for us. Like what that part, I, that, 
Oh, I no, no, no you're right. You're right. I, yes, I, I am aware of who we are talking about this movie. But again, when yeah. I saw this movie, I was like, this is one of the greatest comedies I've seen in a long time. This is going to ball. I'm so curious to see. And like in the rewatch, does it hang with the old school and Wedding Crashers and Dumb and Dumbers of the past 20 years of great comedies that are rewatchable that, you know, that carry with an entire generation Right. Like what is going to be our generation's Monty Python, our generation's Animal House? Like, you know, I was like, is this going to be up there on the list? And it, it still is. It still is, especially to to definitely a lot of women. But it's just to a lot of people. This still is up there. And I don't mean to diminish it at all. But, you know, I, I, the same thing with like Anchorman. A lot of people don't necessarily want to watch it anymore because it's a lot of shtick. And, you know, they, they don't need to see it mm-hmm. again. This this might be in that world just a little tiny bit, even though it's less sticky. It should, but you know, it's. I don't know. I don't want to trash it because this is a really, really good movie. This is a good comedy. It's just yeah, not one where the. The more I see it, the more it just becomes about the gags. The plane scene, the the engagement scene is fine, I guess. Um, fine, I guess it's really, really funny. But as far as rewatching it a million times, um, the first is there a bridal right, shower we'll and see. an engagement scene? I can't remember the. But yeah. the first time when they start singing and stuff, like it's ridiculous. It's funny a couple times, but after a while, it's not quite as funny anymore. When they just keep singing, that's what friends are for over each other. The, yeah, the fire marshal stuff. Every Melissa McCarthy thing is funny, and the fire marshal stuff is really fucking funny. And I'll never forget in the theater when he pulls the gun out and she goes, "I knew it." You mean, like, you uh, mean the air ma- the air marshal? Yeah, sorry, sorry, not the fire marshal, the air marshal. Yeah. Correct. Sorry. All right. So what do you what, what do you think, Dave? Real fast before we, actually tell me yours, and then I want to ask you both this question about comedies. Go for it. The biggest question I came away with from this is, does stealing workouts in the park actually happen? <laughs> like, is that a thing? It's like $12. <laughs> that was a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I found that funny that, like, I, I don't know. It's like, I, as a, as a, like, a caveat here, I'm, I'm not big on cringy comedy. And this is incredibly cringy comedy. Like, they really push it to the uncomfortable level and i i i like i watched this again and i the first time i watched it i was like okay that was funny and then this time i watched it and i was like this was the highest grossing r-rated comedy of all time like did no one else tell anyone else what it was like (laughs) but it's it's the moments i think like for 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 females especially like there's just no female comedy yeah that's that's true i talked about this with my wife Um, gilda radner never got this script off the ground do you know what i mean like and she no but she she did point out that from a female perspective a lot of this stuff does speak to to a female viewer because they've had they've had these experiences but here's my biggest point 31 minutes in i'm checking how much longer there is to go Wow. Yeah. I, I did. I did not do that because i knew like the dress the trying in the dress sequence thing was coming at 50 minutes i was like i need a beer (laughs) <laughs> to keep going <laughs> Dude, 50, she pooped five, in zero. the sink she pooped in the sink like, come on that's right when they're, when they're okay. trying the dresses no, that's, on that's, and they that scene is amazing and like can i said i've, your, I've quoted put- that scene okay so there's four funny scenes to me in this movie her conversation with her mother which yeah. apparently in the uh the director's cut is even longer and gets even funnier um the dress scene obviously uh a lot of the airplane scene and the the bridal shower meltdown to me, are the four funniest scenes in this movie. The biggest problem I had with this film is they introduced this character. They didn't make her even remotely likable. She's shit on from the very beginning. And they spent an hour and 40 minutes dragging the main character down to rock bottom. And they haven't really made you care about it all at all in the first place. And then they fix it in 20 minutes. It is. 
what I will say is a lot of people who saw this movie did care about her. That is something to think about. So maybe Kristen yeah, Wiig I, just gave herself that challenge and was like, people like me. I don't know. So like, I'm, I'm kind of made me think about... I'm a, uh, I'm a fan of Kristen Wiig's other work, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It kind of made me think about Fleabag, how popular that show is now. I watched that for the first time and I had... I, I thought it was wonderful, but I had some issues with how irredeemable she was. That the right Fleabag? Word? <laughs> yeah. Wh- which yeah. movie? This or, this or, oh, fuck you. I thought she was perfect in Fleabag. I don't care how irredeemable she um, was. <laughs> so, yeah, I know what you mean, Dave. I was. What, what else were you going to say before I Well, I mean, it's also like normally I'd say the performances were great, but the script was a letdown because some of the like some of the stuff, like some of the shots just went on for too long and stuff like that. Like they, they tried to milk the scene. Um, in this case, um, a lot of it was improvised a, suspe- a substantial portion. So it's got to be the director just letting this stuff run on and like in the editing room and just le- letting this stuff go through because they improvised a lot of the comedy in here and it just didn't sell. That's yeah. so funny. So so I'm still I'm still in the stand for this movie is really funny. This movie is a good comedy. It when it came out, it like hit the world by storm, and I think it deserves that. No, it did. And for like, me, it's I, just I must for, say, I'm, I'm with I, you in the rewatching of it. For some yeah. reason, I want new and different. This is not the nostalgia piece that I thought it was going to be, with the exception of the really funny. Even the first scene, I'm okay with Maya Rudolph because I love her. That first scene with Kristen Wiig, it's pretty subtle, but it's like it's a fun scene when they're at the beginning when she's asking her to be her. Right, and they're talking about penises and how weird they look. That's- that's, that's you know, not that's like, subtle at all. They're telegraphing I mean, every it's, joke. It's subtle for like, because this movie just couldn't quite decide if it wanted to be Anchorman or if it wanted to be funny people. So I, that's I mean? what I wanted to ask you guys about, because everyone, I, I remember hearing this when it came out. I was reading a little bit about it now. Apparently Paul Feig and Judd Apatow were really pushing for for more ridiculous humor, knowing where a lot of these ladies come from. Groundlings, SNL, Second City. And... Um, and Kristen Wiig and Annie Momolo mm-hmm. were very passionate about trying to not do that. They wanted it to be awkward, no cringy, grounded, subtle. Yeah. yeah. And um, I'm not going to lie. I mean, the, this is just and a yet taste one of the thing. Most, one of the most famous scenes in the movie is the dress scene, which was not their idea. Right, which was not their idea. That was Judd Apatow's idea. In saying, idea. in saying that, I wonder what this would have been if they hadn't passed over Anne Fletcher as director. Yeah, I'm Fitch. curious. Because I'm not going to yeah. lie. When I rewatch comedies... It, Rewatching comedies can be tough anyway, just because what what you pointed out, Jeff, like after you've had your laughs, you go back and you kind of just feel like there's lulls in the plot driving sections of comedies. But for me, anyway, I feel like I have an easier time watching comedies when there are larger, more absurd, not even larger, but there are more intense performances. Like I wasn't bored when Kristen Wiig was drunk. I wasn't bored when Kristen Wiig was throwing a tantrum. I did get a little bored in her plot-driven scenes, and I did get a little bored when it was the subtle, awkward, cringy comedy. It just, you know, but that's a taste thing. Like, I'm not going to hold the movie to that because I just don't really like that stuff. This also came out in 2011 when everyone was trying to make TV shows that were super awkward and Mm, super let the scene go on too long, and I fucking hate that shit. So any moment like that bothers me. But We can't say enough to... There were no female comedies at the time when this came out. Like this paved the way for so many of the other comedies. Like, I mean, what, in, what would, in that what, what would, it deserves it deserves respect would, for nothing for that. What would, but like, yeah, what would Booksmart be without something like this? You know what I mean? Like, like I as a guy, like to, to get men to laugh at the penises looking weird and and women acting out what penises look like that was unheard of. And this we're in the 2010s at this point. Uh, and Paul Feig, just to, just so everybody knows, because he 
after this movie went on to direct Spy and The Heat. So uh, like Melissa McCarthy, huge movies. Mm. He directed Last Christmas in 2019, which was definitely a money play. That was fucking no. But he directed everything from an episode of Mad Men to 30 Rock, Arrested Development, Freaks and Geeks, who's a producer on too. Parks and Rec, The Office, Nurks Jackie. Freaks and, and Geeks was like his play. show. That was his, yeah, he created He was that a show. producer of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Judd, yeah. Um, but if you talk, look at, especially I'm looking at The Office, even Weeds, um, Parks and Rec, Arrested, crazy characters, huge characters. This is a guy who has directed huge, crazy characters, and they wanted them. Melissa McCarthy would not have done what she did unless she really had tr- like faith and trust that a crazy, awesome, <clears throat> wild, kind of like a mad TV character that has 30 minutes as opposed to five would work. That character would she, never work as the lead. She that, did kind of steal the every scene she was in, though, like to her credit. Yeah, but but and yeah. also to also to her credit is, and these are masters. True, like I'm never going to give Kristen Wiig or Maya Rudolph. I'm never going to pretend to give them like a note or anything because they're true geniuses. Like really, I, I believe Maya Rudolph can go out there on mm. stage with anything and do a Robin Williams act. Like she truly is that for me. They're um, a bit of the Academy I mean, Awards coming, last year. Coming coming <laughs> coming from a coming the, from a DC standpoint, when I heard she was cast as Cheetah in the new Wonder Woman film, I was like. Chris go away. on yeah. yeah it's like yeah, go yeah. on I'll so with her and my Rudolph, Rudolph too it's yeah. just it's it's just the only thing I would say again this is a really really funny awesome fucking awesome movie and it's not even necessarily on them that the comedies of the past 10 years before that all did this thing where they needed to be quote unquote real or realistic they, they played into the realism and I do wish in rewatching this which I did not think in 2011 or 12 or 13 I wish they just let go of the realism a little bit and just kept it zanier just so that I could get yeah. through the lulls just, that, that's it because the high were high the highs I think were one high. of my biggest criticism is i like the only thing i was i remembered was the absolute zany parts and that was what yeah. i i remembered the whole movie as being and it wasn't when i rewatched it and i think that's why i had a negative reaction to it mm-hmm. yeah like like uh, if the people i know that went through that dress sequence they'd be laughing about that every yeah. single time they saw each other next they wouldn't be in these crazy crippling <laughs> fights all the time you know it's, it was it wouldn't be so it wouldn't be so difficult i mean to have a relationship <laughs> like like they, they, they'd yeah. be able to joke their way through things if they were able to do that kind of behavioral like the way they interact with each other which i guess you know it, you could also interpret mm. that as Kristen wig does take that on a little bit like she doesn't escape from that she does sit there and say why why is this friend leaving me and, and that does add to her you know emotional journey throughout the film but yeah they're, i mean they're i just i some dug more. some of the emotional scenes don't get me wrong i, th- I thought yeah. they were great story development but it was like it was two different films crammed into one for Mm me the one that didn't get me the one that didn't get me this time that i was bummed by is when when chris o'dowd does the cake thing which is a little weird yeah so i I feel like if they did in 2020 she would just be like this is just weird that you want me to make a cake for you like this is fucking weird like we just slept together and you're making a cake it's weird bro but instead she just got really angry about it and it just didn't you know what I mean? Like those kinds of things in these comedies mm-hmm. sometimes happen when they when they really need to scoot the plot along. You know what I mean? When they're sitting there and they're like, "No, she needs to be mad at him," and it's like he seems pretty perfect. What is she going to get mad about? I don't know. Maybe he makes her make a cake. For me, like it still doesn't quite check out. But but again, you know, whatever it takes to get us to that car scene with her and Rose Byrne, which I think is pretty funny. I actually thought I wasn't mm-hmm. going to find it funny this time, but I've. I've I found it kind of funny. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. But that's kind of what I tuned in for when I when I put bridesmaids <laughs> on. So yeah, yeah, and they're masters. They're masters. So I, I wish they did a follow up, which is with a totally different concept. I mean, same in cast, saying that, just everybody. to get slightly off topic, I did really enjoy the new Ghostbusters. 
like oh, really? all the yeah. all the comedy that was done then. I love that film. It's cool. like the end. The ending fell off the rails, but like solid work up until that point. Mm-hmm. And I think John got so, me. To, that's also Paul Feig. And John got me to watch Spy for a little bit. Right? Didn't you watch Spy? <laughs> Apparently, that's awesome. <laughs> it's really fucking fun. Yeah, I like Melissa McCarthy a lot. I think she's all right. So this is a game changer film. It is. Yeah, we're not going to put it down. We're not going to put it down. However, you know, some, sometimes. You could you could you could take a pee break every now and then, I guess. Yeah, I mean, pause it a lot. I did I did not enjoy it on the rewatch, but you guys did, and so that's uh, that's our perspective. Yeah, we didn't you didn't buzz us a lot. You, we, this is not this, this. This was not a buzzy one. Yeah, you, you, honestly, Dave, buzz us for all the women who are they just they just fucking hate us right now listening to this podcast. Yes, this is that's for you. <laughs> Ah, all right. Well, we need to take a quick pee break. Thank you all so much for for letting us talk about bridesmaids to you all. Um, we are going to come back with a really, really interesting. Mo- this conversation could go a million different ways. We have not talked to each other ahead of time. A movie yeah. that we never do. I just, I don't even, I don't even know where this conversation is going to go. <laughs> the Cabin in the Woods, 2011. Chris Hemsworth. We'll leave it at that. Everybody, we get a new beer. We'll see you soon. I got uh, my good fancy microphone back, and I apparently have been clipping the fuck out of it. <laughs> Thank That's you, a technical Dave. term I use that during the break. Terms. Yes. Hopefully, uh, I have made the adjustments. As John said, it does I, go no, really I, well with my cocaine line at the beginning. It's okay. We can we can uh, we can fix you. We have the technology. We have the technology, <laughs> friends. We are back. We at the end of the segment are going to pick the year. Of our next three films at the end of this segment. So stick around for sure. But we are going to talk about a film that is so fucking interesting. It is really one of a kind. It is a unique, Mm. unique film. The Cabin in the Woods. 2011. Directed by Drew Goddard. Written by Joss Whedon. In three days. Is written three days. Not surprising. Definitely a lot of Evil Dead. A lot of the... (laughs) The horror, gore, slasher, horror, the whole horror genre. Well, they, this, this was their response out. to having an absolute failed uh, cinema experience. They released something that failed abysmally, so they decided to challenge themselves and write this, and they wrote it in three days. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So then it, then it was shelved because the company that produced it went bankrupt and then eventually released. You know, I, I, I kind of remember hearing that story. Definitely Chris Hemsworth mm. was a big draw because this is two years, one year after Thor? The no, same year as Thor? He, the was, same- he filmed this before Thor. We filmed it before Thor, so it was around yeah, the same the, the time. Studio, we he got, he, he got Thor because the studio saw him do this. Oh shit! But Thor, but it came out around because this is 2011. This I mean, was no, this was filmed in 2009. It was released yeah, it in was, 2011. Oh shit! Oh wow! Yeah. Well, good for 2009 Chris earlier. Yeah. It was, oh it my was God. definitely earlier. Yeah. That's what I get for doing my research. So it opens actually with great, great, great actors. Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford. And you can tell something's going on, but you don't really know what's going on. They're going into like a lab. It almost seems science fiction-y. And then pretty soon it cuts to five very unique characters who we find out to be the virgin, the jock, the stoner, the brainiac, the, the whore. and the whore. Yes. Um, and so they are archetypes. You start hearing little 
driplets of like apparently um, the special hair and the special weed that has changed them all. So they've all become fact, these archetypes. I did, I did not even I didn't even pick up on that until I rewatched it this one time, and they, yeah, they brought up the the hair dye and what they've done to her hair dye. I, yeah. I had forgotten that. All of this is to say the point is. It's, uh, there are so many Evil Dead throwbacks here, but it's basically anything that's in the horror or gore yeah. genre. It's a couple of and Hellraiser it, throwbacks as well. I mean, so I actually kind of didn't want to do research to leave this as a discussion to see. Maybe you guys have, but to me, this is this is the vibe that I got. It's that, why is it that we, we are drawn for entertainment to horror and gore? Why do we find that entertaining? Why do we find it fun that evil ancestors come up from the ground and and rip our insides out? Why do we find mermen crazy? Why do we have um, like <laughs> super, supernatural, super, supernatural uh, poltergeisty uh, experiences? Why do we go to that and spend two hours in that world? Like, why do we do that as humans? Um, and so this movie sort of brings them all to question by... A really it's 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 a really strange game that they're playing it's a game this is a game they're watching these people these mm. five archetypes and they're taking bets on the way that they're gonna die so it's like it's and very, not only are they doing it there they're doing it in like 14 other places all over the world or something like that yes that is right well. it's it's happening all over the world that basically these things are happening in real life one at a time so that the entire generation can have nightmares I, there's a million ways to, to take away why they're doing this game actually really. there's one they they spell it right out i mean like, for, <laughs> because they have to but you, you watched it right to the end right <laughs> yeah of course but why they, yeah because if okay i don't want to give the ending away but anyway john what did you think you're being awfully coy here what's what's going on Dave's in. I feel like Dave's a fan, so I'm just curious. What 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 are you thinking? I love it. I mean, I thought it was great. I think the only problem with this movie is it's too short. <laughs> I want more. Interesting. <laughs> it's uh, Interesting. it's an hour. It's a tight. You. It's an hour and twenty nine minute runtime. It's it's it clocks in at one thirty five with credits. But I remember looking up and it was like almost one twenty nine when it was when it went to black. And I was like, ah, oh, god damn it! I forgot it was like so short. Um, mm-hmm. I went and saw this movie for the first time totally not knowing what it was going to be about. I had, I had heard some cool things and I, I really liked, uh, Drew Goddard and, you know, Joss Whedon. I was not a Buffy guy, but I had heard that they had subverted this genre. I am not a crazy huge fan of slasher horror, but I have definitely watched most of those movies and I've had fun along the way. I'm a huge Stephen King fan. I like dark dark fucked up shit i'm not as into gore so i thought this was going to be a straight up the hills have eyes cabin in the woods gore kind of thing which i wasn't super excited about so i was so pleasantly surprised um i think they're obviously playing with what you're talking about that this fascination everyone has with with death and mortality and the way that our whole lives everyone has had this experience right where it doesn't matter you know, if it's you or if it's your friend, I think we've observed in ourselves and others. Some people react to horror movies with straight up fear and they still enjoy watching them. And some people react laughing at them and they still enjoy watching them. Yeah. The people who enjoy watching horror movies and thrillers like to be scared. And it's just the ways that we react to them differently. So that's why this movie is so genius is that they gave us a vehicle of every archetype you have ever seen in any of these kinds of movies and they gave you 
total permission to be in on it. So they know you were already in on it with every one of those classics from the 80s. We know what Jason's going to do. We know when that virgin couple starts fucking, somebody's going to die. But this time... It's the Scream Rules. They used the Scream Rules, the horror movie rules. It's like, next you die. And they gave us those two amazing surrogates. They eventually became our surrogates. There's there's technically like three in there, I guess, including the stoner. Um, But Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins, when you get to finally see what's happening... You, you're in on it. So you get to, part of you starts to feel kind of fucked up because you're kind of taking the bets that they're giving out and you're kind of thinking, <laughs> oh my God, how are they going to kill him? I don't know about you, but I was actually with them. I'm always a little bit let down that it's the fucking zombies. It's like, ah, damn it. I kind of want to see something else yeah. fucking kill this young group of kids. So Dude, I had a just, blast just, again. Just quickly, like, did you pause the board and have a look at what's on that board? I definitely looked at some of there, the, there yeah, are sure. so many throwaways like like Jeff said there's some evil dead throwaways like they reference the deadites and angry molesting trees mm-hmm. but there's one list on one name on the board that's like just Kevin <laughs> it just says Kevin <laughs> like, what so the fuck good. is Kevin it's really really funny <laughs> um, that's that you know we need to talk about Kevin do you think that's what that's from I don't know I think you know what else they do really interestingly is that the thing that got me the most, and it's funny coming out after off of Bridesmaids, is um, they talk about the character archetypes that are always in these movies. Why is it that for the, the one thing that, that caught me when I saw it in the movie theater and then it caught me again, even though I knew what the movie was about, it caught me again watching it this time, is why is the stoner friends with them? Why are they friends with the stoner? They, they don't seem to have anything... They don't seem to be friends with each other. These people don't... It seems like they were thrown together. And so this is commenting on that uh, where, where that's always in the, um, the for some reason the original horror movies they use these archetypes really effectively I guess mm. you could say but it's funny especially for the females because the female there's never a smart female right so they have the virgin in this case sort of becomes the bookworm and sort of they, she sort of is the the lead of the film I guess you could argue she has the the, the most point of view from the beginning to the end um, she is aware of this. And, and same thing with the whore. She's like, she's not a whore. And this is, she's like, they call her the virgin. And she doesn't even really feel like the virgin. You know, it's like, why are women especially placed in these archetypes to be walked all over and stomped all over? Um, and then it's almost like because it, it, it's as if the, the filmmakers are like, I don't know either. Like, why why is this the way that women were written in these? Is it just that we wanted to see attractive women die, like, in a weird way? Like, they, do they want to bait and switch the audience where the, the, there's always a really attractive girl uh, just as she starts to take her clothes off, she dies. So they do that in this movie. And in a way, there's a lot of commentary. I don't know how much, I don't know how much the writers wanted to to throw at the audience and say, why is it you would rather see the 15th time that an attractive person who is about to have sex and is about to expose herself gets eaten by a zombie you would rather see that for the 15th iteration than see the first time that a smart, intelligent girl beats the zombies, right? Like, why? what is it about us as the audience watching it that we uh, yeah. need these things? Well, I think and I think a, they take that on really well in the film. I mean, I think there was a little homage from them. They, they grew up through that that generation where it was a familiar trope over and over again. It was like there was always the last girl. And there was always, you know, if right. you have sex, you die and all those rules. And they, I feel like they took everything out of like the 80s and 90s 
like horror films and made that the action, like built that into a mythology that serves the purpose of this film. And in, in that actually drew attention to it and ridiculed it. Yeah. Which I think, was, yeah, I think, they, I think they, yeah. and yeah. what happens, I mean, again, spoilers, there are spoilers in here. So what happens at the end of this film? Are they actually saying, if you mess with the formula, the whole world will change. Like the whole world <laughs> just gets destroyed at the very last moment of this movie. And it kind of makes me think about the, um, I am always a bigger fan of disturbing over slasher gore. I think disturbing mm-hmm. doesn't play by the same kinds of archetypes and rules. Um, it's less predictable. It, it, almost has so there to, is something... it almost has to be unique in order to be disturbing. Yeah, exactly. We, yeah, it has to, to break extent. that form because it, it, it's going to defy expectations. So I think one reason slasher films are are so, you know, so successful and why people will often take a chance on going to see some movie with a horror movie with no stars they've heard of and no director they've heard of because people can count on the film familiarity of the formula. So I think obviously they were just messing with that the entire time. But, but again, it didn't really land for me until, until the very end where I realized they were basically saying, fuck you. This is what happens when, when you mess with it. And you're mm-hmm. so lazy that you think you know how this movie is going to end. You're such a lazy audience member because we've all seen these movies before. Yeah. So when that pa- fucking hand comes out at the very end, yeah. and you realize they just destroyed the world. They just ended a- the world by changing some, the formula. Someone, in, someone in Q&A after they screened this asked, was there going to be a sequel? <laughs> It's like, fucking idiot. It's, it's, this is the end. <laughs> the that's, the that's director the was like, did you just watch the movie? Like, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I mean, the message, the message I took away from this is like, when you've sunk so low that an individual life doesn't matter, you deserve to be slaughtered by the old gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you too. And, and even in, in me watching the movie, I, well, like, why did I forget well, that there was going to yeah. be the, the twist? There's like, like a little bit of a, there's a little bit of a twist. And you know essentially, I mean? like it comes when it comes down to it, they make what is could be classified as a very, very fucking selfish decision. But everyone's behind them. Right. Because yeah. you've you've gone on their journey, you've seen what they've been through, and it's like if really if that's what it takes to keep this going, are we worth it? Yeah. I mean, don't yeah. you feel like they were trying to to make you feel twisted about why you like watching these kinds of movies? Yeah, oh, that's, absolutely. That's, yeah, like, that's exactly what I mean. I was that's thinking. that's that's definitely a Joss Whedon trademark. He likes to take these genres and like turn them on their heads and like throw it right back in your face. We should note, let's be realistic to where we are right now. Joss Whedon stuff is coming out about his female characters and, and what he said to females on set. And obviously we don't know Even what anything he, what about he said this. To, what he said to males on set as well. And we, 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 we can't like we're we yeah. we're, we're not on any of these sets, so we can't speak to any I mean, of that. But we I, could note I don't know what's that, going on. Yeah, so yeah. we can note that we are giving him a lot of praise right here, even though maybe he has overstepped in other ways that may come out in the future. So we apologize if that happens to us, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is a developing thing. If he turns out to be a dick, we'll call him out for it. Absolutely. Totally not our fault. We didn't know he was a dick. We know that there are some rumors that he's not great. We don't know he's a dick. That's where we are right now. But for this particular film, I thought, I think he takes on the conversations really, really well. Um, I don't know how he treated the actors on set, to be honest with you. Although, but... in saying that, for Justice League, he's a dick. <laughs> Wait, didn't he come in when the Zack Snyder cut? Wait, I thought he was good. Yeah, yeah, the... he, he came in and reshot a lot of that film. Like, we're, we're getting the Snyder cut. Just wait and see. But didn't Zack Snyder have to leave because of family things? Like, so yes, wasn't he, did. Actually... he did. So Just Whedon maybe not so bad in that situation. Um. Yeah, no. No, that's coming out that it was so bad. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. All right. So Joss might, might have to take a year or two off, but Buffy's I don't, awesome. I don't know how that's going. Yeah. Uh, the guy that played Cyborg apparently had some really big reservations about the process that they went through. So, yeah, we'll yeah. get back to that at well, some point. We're being kind to the film in the sense that we're not overstepping like what happens in the movie. I love this film. Like, it's a great film. So I, I like that we're doing that to our audience because I would highly recommend everybody try to find a way to see it again. Because, again, to John's point, he thought it was too short. Hour and a half. I'm just not going to complain that it's too short unless it's, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, go, go watch it. Hour and a half. We all know you watch 10 episodes of RuPaul. You know, he had a new episode this, uh, this week. I said, I watched it. It was great. <laughs> so you, you can doing? watch 10 okay. episodes of television. Okay. You can all watch right. an hour and a half movie. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in here with some thoughts. I accidentally started this in audio description mode on Amazon. Uh, I recommend yeah, turning too, it dude. on. Why did that happen? Yeah. I don't know, but to me like, too. was it just you or was the audio description for the Lionsgate logo fucking hilarious? Oh, the whole, whole opening was I watch it with CC. Yeah, no, yeah. Like, turn on the audio description just for the Lionsgate logo. It's worth it. Um, the Like, the opening scene is like a deliberate attempt to misdirect the audience. Like, from the get-go, you don't, like, it, it turns on its head straight away. And it, it's it's like we're doing this now we're doing this and the audience doesn't really get a comfortable spit i I like like i love the movie's humor in in all its aspects the whole way through i'm i'm a big fan of the way like joss and drew really wrote it to turn things on the head and like basically take the familiar genres and kind of poke fun at them yeah and let's let's just big picture let's tip our hats to both of them for I know this was not the first thing Joss did by any means, but um, I feel like both of them have carved out subversive careers, preying on Mm. people who think they, oh, I love this kind of genre. And then they go in and they they see something really unique, bad times at the El Royale, like I thought that made room for it. Um, What Joss Mm. and what both of them have done in their Marvel stuff, I feel like has been more interesting than the traditional archetypes of the way you would tell those stories. So I don't know. This is one mean, of those examples where part of me is I mean, has a lot of respect for them just because they they have taken something that is extremely accessible and turned it just enough with a lot of humor so that everyone can enjoy themselves. So yeah, they, they're they, fucking it's rich. Almost like they, them. It's almost like they pulled up the carpet and showed you the cogs of the machine. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, it's mm-hmm. like here's here's how all this works. Mm-hmm. And shows yeah, you like, like what goes on underneath, <laughs> but like, but like, like it has some great one-liners, some messy, messy kills in it. Like if you if you're a fan of the gore, you get a little get a little bit of that. Uh, Chris Hemsworth's hero moment, yeah, is the really best. That the is theater. the best that. exit of a film I've ever seen. Um, right, yeah. What does he I say? Mean, te- Make sure you give it all you've got. I always do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, effects-wise, for what is te- was technically a low-budget film in its time, they did an amazing job. When those, oh my god, my favorite scene in the movie, when those elevator doors open and hell just fucking erupts. Yeah, that's cool. Like, I I'm I often reference this in conversations, and I'm, a similar thing happened in season five, I believe it was, of Buffy, where there was an underground compound and they they let all the monsters out, and the monsters are just like throwing people everywhere, and you know it's like, oh, I'm gonna punch you in the face and throw you, and I feel like this is what he wanted to do, but he couldn't because it's fucking network television, and you can't show that shit on TV, so he kind of let the like let the dogs out on this one. It's like, yeah, we're gonna have carnage. There's gonna be yeah, blood everywhere. There's gonna be there's gonna be a fucking robot with a saw blade. The, uh, there's gonna be like, yeah. I love the mermaid callback. The merman is like, yeah, the merman gag, 
just lasts the whole movie. Yeah. I like, I mean, just, just having um, Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford around it's, it's good perspective because they, they, were very very similar but also yin and yang did not for instance when you finally see the the quote-unquote whore become promiscuous let's say um you have you have bradley whitford kind of just be like score like this is what we were waiting for and we got it and then richard jenkins just kind of like shrugs and and moves on to the next scene he's kind of like you know what i know this is great but this is fucking we got to move on and it's very it's very subtle it's like it's i i don't know why they said yes to this film because they are way too overqualified to be here but at the same time i'm really grateful that them and sigourney weaver came in and it's like they they did well, apparently really, really, really she was nice just happy to be appeared in a movie with a war wolf like her prerequisite her prerequisite was i'm glad i was in a movie with a werewolf finally as opposed to an alien i guess <laughs> yeah, yeah right i guess i don't know um anyway yeah great great film um yeah loved it big fa- big favorite of this one Everybody, give it another watch and um, tell us what you think. It's so, so interesting. The one trope they stayed away from is person of color trope from Scream. They stayed away from it and maybe, who knows, maybe they could have played with that a little bit in this, if that movie came out now. But pretty, anyway. Um, Dave. (laughs) Yes. Well, do they die first? Is that part of the Scream? Anyway, I'm glad they, you know, it would have been interesting to see if they they tried to take that on. Um, Dave, we're going to get another year here oh it's time all yeah, right it's time let's, let's generate a year not for next week it's not for the, the last one's no, been 2009 yeah, 2011 yeah, let's get no, a new oh god please not from 2000 something okay so we're gonna hit the button and jesus <laughs> the spaceship just land what the fuck yeah it did uh it's uh, <laughs> it's 1989 1989. Oh, all right. Oh, that's gonna be a good one. I feel like that's there was a lot of Yeah, that's um, gonna be a very interesting. If one. you talk about if you talk about my left foot, John and I are where's not enough time on this podcast. There is not. You can do your own podcast if we're doing my left foot. Like I went and saw that at its premiere. Actually, to be honest, wait, you did? Yeah. And you didn't like wait, it? Wait, really? Yeah. Not Holy here, but in Australia. Shit. But yeah, you didn't like it. No, I loved it. It was great. Oh, good, 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 good. Yeah. <laughs> and so right, now we've gonna... ruined the podcast. We can't choose that. No, yeah. we can't choose it. That <laughs> is we might have to choose awesome. It anyway. Okay. We might be doing um, it. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about um, Born on the Fourth of July was this year, if I remember correctly. You've got v- Vietnam. Good, good morning, Vietnam, maybe was this year. I can't remember. Was it Mississippi oh, was it? Burning? Is it? You know what? Fuck, John. You just do the right thing. Do the right we'll, thing. We'll, uh, yeah. we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll ponder this and we'll come back. All right, I'm so excited. We'll talk about this soon. No, it was Dead Poets. It was not Good Morning Vietnam. It was Dead Poets. Apologies. <laughs> anyway, we will talk about this after we pee. One more beer. Let's do it. We're back. We're back. back. Here we go. Guys, All right. We only had two buzzes 
during Cabin in the Woods. That is I, fucked up. Yeah, that is that is not what people tune in for. You're right, guys. What I hate everything about you. Guys. Yeah, Go really fuck yourselves. Why do people even bother to listen? This segment is like the movie is way better than the segment. Uh, fuck the Cabin so in the Woods. Watch, yeah, watch that. <laughs> <laughs> So, friends, right before the break, we talked about how the next, our next podcast is going to be about films of the year 1989. A lot of fantastic, fantastic films in the year 1989. We almost did animated films, which would have been Little Mermaid, Little Nemo, and. All dogs for you, for you, this was like five seconds. For us, this was like a I wanted it so discussion. bad. All dogs go to heaven. <laughs> the Little Mermaid, aka the beginning of the Renaissance of Disney, <clears throat> and Little and Little Nemo, which is fucking awesome. We did not go that route. <laughs> that would have been fun. We should do some animated films at some point. If you want to know what we yes. went with, wait until the end of this segment. But we have to get back. This is our redemption segment. These are the films that need yes. a little bit of love. Reminder: This, was, this was is it? a. Was this it is a really positive, that yeah, bad? Was it really, was it that, really bad? that bad? This is a positive <laughs> film podcast. We and, only and do positive what, what criticism. Film we, what film were we saying? Was it really that bad? So Green if you Hornet? followed us last week, we was could it? not remember if it was the Green Hornet or the Green Lantern. Because in the Rogen same in tights, year, because right? we because we blocked them both out. <laughs> in the same year, Seth Rogen. And Ryan Reynolds decide is the same fucking year. It's so confusing. The two green heroes. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you, Green Green Hornet is a movie I want to put on when I want to go to sleep because I'm like out in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> Guys, this movie was written by Greg Berlanti, who you may know for producing The Flash and Supergirl At and Arrow. First. And you know what? After the Green Lantern, he probably said, you know what? TV's fine. Um, let us. So this has a 5.5 on IMDb. Um, I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a fantastic score of... (laughs) Oh, this is going to be bad. This is so bad. What the fuck? 26. Yeah, 26. Oh, wow. Here's Here's the description on IMDb. Remember, this is uh, Ryan Reynolds. Reckless test pilot Hal Jordan is granted an alien ring, like an actual ring that you wear on your finger, that bestows him with otherworldly powers that inducts him into an intergalactic police force, the Green Lantern Corps. Actually, to be honest with you guys, I, I didn't even know that's what the movie was about. Defund it's dude seriously like that is the the biggest problem Somewhere, when ryan reynolds into came into the movie film. so they do the cold they do the open where it's like all aliens and some shit and they throw they just like say what the movie's about and then by the time ryan reynolds came into the movie i like paused it and i said am i gonna have to rewatch that at the end of the movie because i have no idea what they just talked about I no they no- say it again they say it again yes exactly and then i was like oh i don't need to do this again and then they do the whole they do the origin story again in the middle of the movie it's fucking awesome it's hilarious honestly this movie would just be forgotten and everybody would move on with their life if it wasn't the movie where ryan reynolds and blake lively met each other and i feel like now they're like blake lively ryan reynolds deadpool and and blake lively that's so interesting how did they meet oh they met on that 2011 movie one of the green movies they met (laughs) <laughs> and so then people have to go back and relive Peter Peter Sarsgaard being slowly turned into Megamind or something. Okay, anyway. just just to, just to say like Peter Sarsgaard, 
awesome. as Hector, Hector Hector Hammond was my favorite in this movie. He put in he put in a solid performance that he rehearsed, and it was I felt like his performance <laughs> was really really Wait, good. Like he, com- he researched it and everything. Are you complimenting him for rehearsing? This is a guy who's going to pay millions like of dollars to do a movie, and he did his homework. I meant, I meant oh to say researched, God. but uh, yeah, <laughs> he got he might even he might even had a coach. He might have been Sorry, an acting I'm, coach. I'm used to working with you guys where you just turn up and do it. You know, it's like, oh, I just say, oh. Dave, make me look good. Um, all right. Mm, Ryan Reynolds, play, he, he's a test pilot who apparently has daddy issues, comes up a lot in these movies. Um, dad was also a pilot, uh, was chosen because you have to be chosen. That's apparently really important in this movie. You have to be chosen to be a lantern. Which is about as cool as it sounds. Which is this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> buzz Jeff because he's being he, like there's a derogatory tone going on. He hasn't said yeah. anything. Own your derogatory the, tone. Just talk tone. shit about it if you want to talk shit about it. <laughs> no, you know I, I I didn't hate the movie, it, but the reason I didn't hate the movie is because the premise is so dumb that when you start just doing it, it's like all right, well this is cool. Did you but enjoy Trial watching? He's a test pilot. Uh, did I enjoy watching it? Let's see. I mean, if I had recommended it on vacation for 10 people and I was responsible for the entertainment value, I would have been, I would have said, it's okay. We can change it. We can change it. It's fine. You might have been kicked out of the house. But I, but I watched this by myself (laughs) and what I thought is if somebody else said, Hey, I really want to see this movie and we watched it, I'd be like, okay, it's my choice next, but that was fine. Yeah. I yeah, didn't I hate didn't it. I know, yeah, I know what you mean. Just, it's the same problem that I have with all those DC characters, which I'm not going to rant about it because I know I've said it before on this podcast. I just don't think they're great characters. Um, Batman is just so much better than the rest of the characters. And I know it's Ryan Reynolds, so I know they weren't trying to do it like super dark and sincere, but it wasn't Deadpool, was are you, it? Are you, basing, it are you basing Batman, like Batman <laughs> off the stuff you've seen in the movies? Or are you basing this off the like the comic book history of these The comic book, they, the really popular like they cartoon, do have, and they the movies. They do have a really, really rich history in the Green Lantern. I know they do. I mean, like, I, like I, that. but we can't assume that, can we? Like, we, th- I think one reason why superhero I, movies. I, no, succeed... I'm saying this. This movie did it at a service, that's for sure. But like, there is a valuable rich history that's been done in other movies. <laughs> in what movies? The animated films. Nobody's seen those. Nobody has seen the Green Lantern <laughs> animated films. Nobody's Maybe fucking seen those movies, dude. I'm just saying, like the we movies were supposed that succeed, to get one this year. The, anim- the superhero movies that succeed are the ones that don't rely on that. And a lot of times the ones we've ended up praising on this podcast and just in our regular lives end up doing something that was either elevating what they did in the cartoon shows or the comic books or they turn it into the graphic novel version that's a little bit more heightened or accessible or sincere. Um, so I don't know. I just, especially knowing what he eventually did with Deadpool... One, it just felt like he's in the wrong universe. Like, I think he was just miscast. Like, I kind of I mean, see... he even poked fun at it himself. Yeah, I mean, as he should, because, like, there are a lot of lines that... Uh, when the first... I can't remember his name, but whatever the alien is that dies and gives him the ring. And Ryan mm-hmm. is trying to play that death scene so sincere. And I, I remember say, saying the line in my head, it was like, no, please don't go. Oh, shit, you're gone. Or something like that. And I remember thinking, I bet when they wrote that for Ryan Reynolds, they thought, surely he's going to make this funny. 
and he just he just didn't try to make it funny. So it felt like I was watching like three different movies. It felt like no one was on the same page. Um, it wasn't offensive enough to make you hate it, but like, what's worse to make you not even give a shit about something? <laughs> like, like none of us even cared enough about this to really be upset by it. It was just, it happened. We watched it. It was fine. It's okay. It's not terrible. Right. I mean, Dave, if you were in post-production and you were editing this film together, would you sit there and say, I don't know. There's only so much I could do. Cause it was it's fun. Fun. It's funny. You should mention that. Um, do you want me to get started on my tirade? Yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, go, go ahead. Yeah, you like uh, I know. Like uh, well, actually, I did, and I didn't. I have a very, very complex love hate relationship with this movie. Uh, and the reason I have a love hate relationship is because I did some research into what actually went on behind the scenes on this shit. Hmm. And um, like I said, Peter Sarsgaard puts in a great performance as Hector Hammond. He's a highlight. Um, they created an epic CGI universe, which at the time was a phenomenal use of technology. So they get respect for that. But like even Ryan Reynolds hated this movie and wanted it to fail. So he didn't have to do a sequel because of the experience on set. What was it, what with, was it like on with set? Martin Campbell, so with the direct, like what there are. Yeah. There are like, I, when I was watching it, I'm like, there are massive jumps where they just advance the character development. And they don't show it. I'm like, was that editing? I like, was it the shooting? Like was it a script or what? And I hunted down the script, the original script for Green Lantern, and it's nothing like the movie. There are compl- it's completely different to the movie. So picture this. Your director wants Bradley Cooper. Hmm. Straight up. He wanted Bradley Cooper. He was not averse. Like, he didn't want anyone else. He wanted Bradley Cooper, who's riding high from the hangover parts one and two at this point. The studio refused to even make an offer and insists on putting Ryan Reynolds in the role, who at this time his biggest hit was arguably Van Wilder nine years before. So straight away, you got resentment on set from the director who supposedly gave Ryan Reynolds such a hard time. He wanted the movie to bomb so there was no chance of a sequel. And add to that the fact that your script is constantly changing and it was gratuitously rewritten from being a space opera cop film to a generic superhero film that tries to please fans and a new audience and somehow manages to confuse both. And they didn't even have a shooting script until halfway through the shoot. Mm. what like the script wasn't finished till halfway through the shoot they were working with whatever they got that day at some point apparently uh and then the studio at that point panics and tries to recut the movie themselves without the director and make your third act reveal the big bad of the movie so parallax was supposed to be a, a reveal at the end where he turns up and goes you failed me that was supposed to be the big reveal of parallax but it it they they turned turned it right around cut it to pieces and made it the big like like the big bad of the film from the beginning so all this was done by the warner brothers warner studios and they cut out all the scenes that set up half of the storylines and like the emotions that these people have and then like the original screenplay, like I said, is out there. Um, it opens with a VO where Earth already knew about the Green Lanterns and a scene between young Hal and his dad as they're prepping for the test flight that kills his father, thus explaining his attitude throughout the movie. Like the the screenplay from what I like from where I'm at, and I I haven't read all of it yet, but it is different to the movie we saw. Wow. I mean it's yeah. it's so definitely heavy in on that, the daddy issues. I'll cut up some slack. But like apparently, and this is a common thing with uh, like the early DC stuff, there was a lot of interference. Hmm. 
This but is then, not uncommon you know, with these kinds of movies, right? With it, the, not yeah. even just the DC films, but just in all superhero movies, but especially DC, there yeah. is a lot of interference. Yeah. And then then you get to the things that they introduce. And so like I'm I'm not saying this is an excuse, but like that was a that was a shit show, obviously, uh, to work through. And it was I'm sure it wasn't pleasant for Ryan working on that. And then you get to the changes they made where it's like, okay, let's go to the story elements that they have included. Okay, so the the photo of his father in the plane. The thing that causes my PTSD. You know what? Let's keep that in the cockpit right next to me. I'm going to keep a photo of my dead dad that I have PTSD about dying in the cockpit of my plane next to me. That's a why. What the fuck are you doing? I mean, it's. I would love to see because it was in the movie Independence Day where he keeps his family when he goes and dies. I'd love to see all the footage though, because there were a lot of times where I felt like. Like it was an editing issue. Like there's no way that oh, was the yeah, only they're... coverage they had. It was literally just the storytelling. Yeah, no. Like the idea, they, if I were to pitch that scene massive to you, swaths out of this thing. If I were to pitch that scene to you, though, it's not a bad idea that he starts experiencing some PTSD as he's going down after making a crazy decision. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. That that, that lives he, in movies. Yeah. But he but, experienced the PTSD because he saw a photo of his dad in the cockpit. But see, even that doesn't bother me. It's the way yeah. they Why? showed you show him the photo like and then it just yeah. immediately there were a lot of connecting the dots and then that cuts to a flashback when he yeah. when like, he when they, he leaves basically the they, they took the stuff that used to be in linear and put it as flashbacks and put it as like you know they they cut it to pieces apparently like i mean it looked I, it felt I, like I, I am gonna finish reading this because i bagged this movie for a long time and i feel like it it didn't get its due when it was being made because nobody cares about that everybody i mean it's the final product medium you know that's, that's yeah, it's like, oh, like what what yeah what will what will get what will get bumps on seats and what will get dollars so, yeah like but you know when you put things like um you know there's some great sequences from the training to villain development and stuff like that and then they just go and fuck it up straight after with the helicopter crash sequence where you know the helicopter's like two seconds behind this guy and he's like diving out of frame in front of it and it's like no you haven't dived out of the way of this helicopter you're gonna die but he didn't die. <laughs> I think the one interesting thing that that's interesting for me is so these kinds of movies have to be accessible to people who don't know the lore, who don't know the comic or whatever, wherever it comes from. Which would be I, great. I didn't, I didn't know who they, they re- Yeah, go ahead. They, they tried to do that for people. Like they tried to make a movie that pleased both the people who don't know the lore and the fans and managed to fuck it up for both of them. I mean, they certainly did not make it interesting, fun, let's just say accessible, but just, it just, why would I want, if, if I didn't know anything, which I didn't, they had to explain to me what the lanterns were. They, they didn't make it sound cool or interesting at all. Like they didn't no, even try didn't. to rope me in if I didn't know anything. So if you knew a lot and you were disappointed because they fell up short, honestly, I don't even know what to say to you because I, mean, I, I didn't. Yeah. No, I didn't in this know. movie, in, in this movie, less would have been more. Like, I they shouldn't like they, have shown yeah. as much as they did. They should have pulled it right back. I felt like they, they couldn't decide if they wanted to, it to be about the Lanterns or about just Ryan Reynolds. Let's just let's just put Ryan Reynolds and this is the scenario. The scenario yeah. is the Lanterns, but that's not really what the movie's about. And so and, they toggled okay. in between really poorly. No, you're right. Yeah, it, was a, it, was a point of view, it. it was a point of view issue for me. I wanted to yeah. discover with him and i felt like they were just showing me the story so i didn't really have anybody's perspective yeah and i know again i know that sounds very 
pretentious filmmakery, but like, if you don't, we're asking a lot of audience members to get on board with superhero stories. Like you're already asking them to take on a lot. So if you don't have the, if you don't have the the crutch, which I'm not saying that in a negative way, the, of humor that Marvel uses geniusly, which DC doesn't. They just they don't use it the same way. There's some comedic relief, but they don't use humor in the same way. If you don't have that, then it's a taller order to get an audience who's never heard of Green Lantern, which most people hadn't. I mm. mean, I believe you, Dave. I'm sure there's a lot of good animated movies, but I had never heard anything about this character they, outside of Justice they're League. They're way better than this yeah. film. Yeah. Let alone, care, let alone cared about them. They're so how do you care? Fair, yeah. And I mean, and I'm, I don't want to pick on her too much, but I, I, I didn't think she was cast very well. I, I don't even dislike her as an, as an actor by any means, but I didn't buy them. I didn't buy her in that role. I didn't like them in their chemistry. Yeah. I'm glad they're happy in real life, but it just didn't work for me. Every time they were on, they were in a scene together. <laughs> sure. Every time they were in yeah. a scene but, together, I was like, ah, I just don't. God, this just feels. This is not any you know, better I'm, than the rest of the movie. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, really, I'm not even done, man. We, like we we, we get <laughs> go we go get go to, yeah go no no I'm sorry we, get, we keep interrupting we get you. To, <laughs> we get to the end and it's like the big bad turns up and like it's the big bad that's supposed to be the third act reveal and it's this enormous fucking cloud thing and it's basically it's the villain parallax and hal jordan who's the most amazing user like human ever single-handedly after going to the green lanterns and asking for help and them going yeah yeah well we might help you and then oh no wait no we're not gonna like they don't even cover that bit he just turns up and has to fight it single-handedly defeats a fear-infused immortal guardian of the universe on his second fucking day at work <laughs> yeah yeah another rushed origin story we talked a lot about these in our franchise face off another rushed origin story he gets the superpowers so quick and then all of a sudden he's a master at using them well also like i read another article when i was researching terrible. this the, <laughs> it's like- and, and it's like they they were basically it's like a classic example of what happens when you want your character to not do anything through the movie because they're just pussing out the whole time and <laughs> it's like he he doesn't he doesn't do anything I'm scared to do this I'm scared to do that I quit I'm scared to do this I'm scared to do that I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna use my powers a little bit I'm scared I'm scared like he did nothing until the end I know, and all I of a sudden to... was a, and all of a sudden single handedly defeated one of the most powerful villains in the super, in the DC universe. <laughs> I hate, I hate to compare it to it's it's easy I don't think it's wrong to compare it to Batman just because it is still the best DC movie ever made and it's the exact same premise in the sense that you have to overcome your fear of the thing that is in your way your major impediment that is tied to some kind of intense PTSD it's the exact same story so I kept mm. thinking in the training sequence in the first half of this movie why did it work and begins and it didn't work here. The because t- he quit. more time, more time passed. That literally happened in less than one day. His entire initiation and training sequence and yeah. flying back yeah. to Earth happened in like two hours. So there was, was no, yeah, yeah. there was nothing for us to hold on to. We didn't get to he, watch he him. He went, no, anything. I can't do this. I quit and pissed off back to Earth. And then he just makes a <laughs> like decision. Christian, to Christian Bale did not do that. Yeah, I mean, so is it time? I think time had a large part of it, but. Again, where do you get time from? Where does pace come from? It comes from the way they make it flow. I didn't even need to be sure that he was there for days and days and days training, but I did need to feel that something had happened to him. And I didn't feel like anything had happened to him the entire movie. So when he made his decision, 
to change his mind. I felt like it was totally intellectual. And once again, I felt like they were just telling me something because I was not with him. I was so yeah. far away from yeah. his journey. I don't know. It was what like Batman the, Begins. The, the, the exposition in this came across as, here's what you've missed. <laughs> what, if, what if in Batman Begins, when he was up in the mountains with Liam Neeson, he just went within the first day, you know what, this sucks, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, fuck it, I'm going to the pub. Yeah, no. <laughs> and then Liam Neeson went, it's okay, you who've been training him, you're being too hard. You should take the rest of the day. Also, also, yeah. I'm just, I'm going to pick on, I'm going to pick on DC just a moment more. Batman, I think another reason why that character works a lot better is because you discover and develop the vigilante archetype with Batman. They tell you the Green Lanterns oh. are the most powerful space force in the universe. Like, that is a tall fucking order. So if you don't get on yeah. board with your protagonist too much, to, too to meet that order, then it's impossible. You'll never be able to catch up to that level of responsibility. So what did they do? They, they used sarcasm. They tried to mock it. How, how many times did he make a comment about... Uh, they're the most responsible. That's not me, right? I'm not responsible. It's like, come on, dude. I don't know. It's just not doing yourself and any fear. favors. I know fear. I know fear. Wait, well, John, I mean, they're, are... they're big on fear, and that brings me to my final point. Okay, sorry, dude. <laughs> Mark Strongest, Mark Strongest Sinestro. Solid character development, like, or character yeah. delivery, I want to say. Not so much character development, which was not his fault. Yeah. He's a good actor. At, did you, you watched it through the after credit scene, right? Yeah. Okay, there's an after credit scene where he literally is like standing there and he pops the bubble and he grabs the yellow ring and he puts the ring on and becomes a yellow lantern. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. That is a massive story arc. Okay, yeah. this guy this guy is discovered like basically over becoming an overbearing ruler of his own people on his planet. He decides that he's what's best for them. He gets banished to a like an antimatter universe. He discovers the villains the, who are the enemies of the Green Lantern. That's where he discovers the fear. That's where he finally turns to the fear side. He's, he forms the Sinestro Corps. Like, there's a whole fucking mythology there. And they put it in a 30-second fucking clip halfway through the credits so that they could justify a fucking sequel they were never going to get. Fuck you. Dave, I know green lanterns are cool, but you know what's even cooler? Different colored lanterns. <laughs> yeah. Dude, boo, dude. Okay. Boo. Just, don't get me started. Sweet, right? You have okay, you have white lanterns, you have red lanterns, you have orange lanterns, yellow lanterns, green lanterns, blue lanterns, indigo lanterns, and violet lanterns. What? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was red and yellow and green and it's indigo the entire and spectrum. And white. <laughs> Their entire spectrum. So don't even fucking get me started. Like, uh, Carol Ferris actually becomes Star Sapphire, which is a member of the Violet Lanterns. It is really interesting, though, isn't it? Because Jeff, you pointed out earlier... You pointed out earlier... um, Greg Berlanti did did some amazing work with The Flash. I don't know if it was just because there was more, you know, room to stretch and to really take your time and... I think Grant, so. Grant I mean, Gustin's the, really great in it. The actors are really good. But, like, that show is really well done. It's one of the better DC productions, yeah. I think, that are out there. Because right. I know I keep talking about Batman, but I know Chris Nolan stands alone. I feel, I feel like they Nolan. don't interfere as much anymore because they, they kind of learned when they, they let Patty go with Wonder Woman and she took it and fucking ran with it and created, a, like, a billion-dollar movie. Right. And they were like, oh, wait a minute. Maybe we should let these people just do what they want. Yeah. 
because <clears throat> they're fucking yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I mean, is that what it is? Yeah, this is just I don't know. Classic... Maybe, maybe in the maybe with the Flash, they had a script. I mean, I also know. with the Flash, like you had a you had a character you cared, like well a whole bunch of characters you cared about from the beginning as well. They nailed that. Like, Dave, I think there you're is. Right, dude. I think you're right. I think this was a classic problem of studios not trusting the people they hired to do their job. Yeah. Because even hearing you say that, I'm not gonna lie. Bradley Cooper would have been better in this part than Ryan Reynolds. I'm not. I'm not. Hating on Ryan Reynolds. This has nothing yeah. to do with yeah, Ryan, like Ryan Reynolds. Reynolds. But I think well, that's even, a good even, choice. I think Bradley like, Cooper would have been a better choice. I understand why he wanted him. You've think, seen the after credit scene, right, where he goes in Deadpool 2, where he goes back in time? As Yeah. As and he, he, he blows he his own head off instead of in... <laughs> yeah. He blows his own head off to stop him from doing the Green Lantern movie. And he's like, you're welcome, Canada. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. No, he gets it. Too many problems. Because even though... I know what you're saying about the... Mar- I think you made a comment, Jeff, about how these studios sometimes get in the way. But I think one thing that Kevin Feige has done so well is he has delegated out to directors and producers that he trusts and he lets them fucking do their job. And all their movies, he trusts that they know what they're doing and that they're going to work in the world that he's creating. I have never felt that way about DC. They always feel clunky and disconnected. They don't which would be fine mm. if you actually just owned that and let them do that, but you yeah. can't step in, in opinion, and recut it's, the it's, movie. It's it's like that until you got to Wonder Woman and Aquaman, in my opinion. Those those two were like kind of a free reign sort of thing. Well, and DC, I mean, and uh, Batman, right? They let, those are three auteurs. Yeah, they, those are all really yeah. powerful directors who know what the fuck they're doing. But I'm just know. bringing it back to Green Lantern for a second. Taika Waititi. Oh yeah. Waititi. What the fuck? How I do, forgot about how him. do you? How do you fuck up a movie with that with that cast in it? You know I mean, what? Yeah, you also I, had Jeffrey I, you had Jeffrey Rush in this yeah. movie. I'm not gonna hate. Uh, I'm not gonna Jeffrey, hate. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush was brought on Robbins. board. Like, Jeffrey Rush was brought on board like nine weeks before the film went to went to screens. <laughs> just as so, a voiceover. Like, I didn't even know yeah, that. Apparently, was they, Rush. They, they, yeah, they, yeah, he he was. It's just the voiceover, basically. Yeah. But uh, they were brought on board like nine weeks or something before the film actually went to went to cinemas. So maybe this is why Taika like yeah. Angela maybe this Bassett. is why Taika yeah, awesome. ended up making a really good Hulk movie because he was like, "This is what you don't do." <laughs> Hulk. Oh yeah, I, I always think of that as Hulk because Hulk's like the other lead in that movie, Ragnarok. <laughs> Yeah, Thor. <laughs> right? You mean Thor, John. Even, even Taika. <laughs> even Taika was not that funny in this movie, right? I was like, I was like, oh good, Taika Waititi's in this movie. I forgot about this character. Yeah. No, and he even played he was a solid like, he's played a solid dramatic role, yeah. I mean, I guess. <laughs> it could have been anybody. We all forgot he was in it, so let's not give him too much praise. Like there there were there were there were yeah, there were some good things in there. Like there were some good things and then it just skipped some stuff and assumed you knew some stuff and like I feel like if they if they hadn't have interfered, I would have liked to have seen the cut we might have actually got. Yes, right. this was already two hours though, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't know what else yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it is, but at, it might have but... been two hours of different stuff. <laughs> I guess so. Well, um, I'm not guys, gonna recommend right I don't now. think you need to I don't I don't I'm not gonna get behind this. You do not need to see this movie, folks. I'm sorry. It's on HBO, <laughs> HBO, which by the yeah. way, I just found wait, out that wait wait for the one that's coming out next year. 
HBO Go is not going to be available on my iPad anymore after July 31st. I'm really fucking no. pissed about that. HBO Max. You have to have, to have, you have, to have HBO Max. Yeah. What? I have to have HBO Max Don't on you my get, iPad. You get, yeah, no, you get automatically device, upgraded. You, you get, get automatically up- upgraded. Uh, yeah. With the same sign-in information? Yeah. Yes. Just can install I still use my Can I still use my parents' sign-in information? Can I still use your yes, parents' you can. sign-in? Yes, you can. Okay, good. <laughs> 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 no, I, I, I'm, I'm happy to pay for my own thing. Something, but, yeah, I mean, just, we have just the HBO saying, I'm not using your parents' ha- uh, HBO sign-in. I have my own. Gary! Uh, <laughs> I feel like it's like having the summer home. Like, I'm going to be able to use it, right? Like, you know what I mean? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> all right, so like, what movies are we going to do next time, week, but... you guys? What are we going to do? Next week. 1989. I'm really excited. 1989. So many good movies in 1989. John saw a bunch of them already. And we decided, Dave and I have decided, we need to make sure that John has work. We don't want him to get (laughs) off easy. So he watched Lean on Me and Do the Right Thing recently, as he's talked about on this podcast. So therefore, those movies have been disqualified for us reviewing them as a group next week. So we are going to be doing... We're actually doing Dead, Do the Right Thing. No, I thought we were doing Do the Right Thing. <laughs> yeah. Do the Right Thing yeah. and Dead Poets Society. That what is right. What the fuck did he do during the break? <laughs> we're drunk. We're Jeff, drunk. have a drink. <laughs> cocaine. It's the cocaine. I actually thought today, I was we, like, should I write these a, down? And I was like, uh, it's Cocaine's like, a hell of a drug. We, we, had a, we had a 20 minute discussion about this. All right, so we're doing we do, do the Right Thing. every fucking time. No, I didn't put my feet on Eddie Murphy's couch. Yeah, put my feet on And then we're gonna bring Robin Williams back with some Dead Poets Society. And haven't we all needed a little Robin Williams right now? Oh, Captain, my Who else? Captain. R.I.P. Man. And oh. then this is gonna be fun. There, yeah. This is gonna we're be gonna fun. Take it, take it right back. We're gonna put on some damn skinny jeans. Mm. That's right. And we're Cowboy gonna do boots. Roadhouse. 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 <laughs> yeah, so many Peter Griffin, Patrick Swayze. That How is many be times the, are we gonna really say? Roadhouse next week. I can't. I can't. I, 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 do we? Do we need a separate buzzer for roadhouses? Roadhouse. <laughs> God, I'm excited. All so right, many, my so friends. Many, what kind of kick is that? You turn around and you kick. A roundhouse. A roundhouse. A roundhouse. <laughs> so many roundhouse what kicks. What kind of kick movies. is that? All right, my friends. We will see you next week. We're looking forward to it. 